Welcome to Boogie Season number four. Oh, that was great. That was great. I love it. Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, and mangas. I'm your host, soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my devilish co-host, it's Jamie. Fuck off. With your intro and your fucking comic book. I'm in a bad mood now and it's entirely because of you. So if anyone who's wondering why I've got a <laughs> grumpy old Jamie on the podcast this week. Uh, Not you, happy. You just have to look at the episode title for this week. Not happy. And incidentally, I've actually just recently changed. Uh, basically, I was putting the name of the podcast in the episode title. Yeah. Turns out you don't need to do that. You know, rookie mistake on my part, admittedly. Because uh, I looked at the podcast, I was like, oh yeah, we're the only ones who do that. <laughs> so rather than like trying to be a trendsetter, I was like, no, no, we'll fall in line. We'll, we'll, we'll adhere. We'll be sheep in the herd, you know. Oh, are we sheeple? We're sheeple. Of course we are. Ugh. But the main but point- we're I- pioneers of panel layout analysis. I've not heard any other panel layout analysis, so... We are the pioneers of it, Ryan. Or We're the only book... people out there doing God's work. Or comic book pacing is another one. Yeah, no, no one's talking about the pacing of a, of a physical comic book or a digital, whatever. But the reason I mention it is because what I'm doing now instead of is I'm adding a little bit of like a... Here's a little fun little bit of the title or whatever. Are you doing some jokes? Not, not necessarily jokes, but like for this one, I'm thinking like, do we go full on into like the name of the comic, which we'll get into in a minute... But then afterwards, would do we do like a clickbaity, like the worst comic book ever, but worst is in capitals, you know? All caps. Yeah. Or not the entire, like you got to make one, yeah, one word caps because it stands out then. If at any point you have to transcribe anything I say in this episode into text, Ryan, I demand mm. that it's in all caps. Everything all caps. Every, yeah, just... To be fair, I was doing that for the shorts. Dear listener, just imagine that I... I'm speaking in all caps at all times in this episode because I'm not a happy bunny. And imagine that mine is all in comic sans because that's <laughs> um, that might be a thing going forward. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. You can't use comic sans. It is the worst font. That's the point, though. I'm like taking it back. I'm like, actually. I have a, I have a drinking buddy who is... I have a drinking buddy who's a typography expert, right? Like, that's his job. That's what he lives and breathes. If he found out I was part of a podcast that made shorts on YouTube that used Comic Sans, he wouldn't drink with me anymore. Well, I mean, how good of a friend are they if they leave you over something like that, you a know? A really good one. One who really cares. <laughs> I don't want to see you take your life in this direction. <laughs> I stood by her, but I can't watch you destroy yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I had to watch Peter Parker destroy himself. Uh, yep, technically. And what's interesting is it kind of relates to the modern Spider-Man comic that's happening right now that we read a bit of before. Yeah. We'll get into that afterwards. But the main thing is we are back in the Spider-Man realm today, Ugh, back in the Spider-Man universe. God. And rather than attempting to, like last time, misguidedly showing like, here's something that I thought was all right. And Jamie, not the, or thinking the opposite of that. <laughs> what we've done this time is little flip reversal. And we've actually, well, you've seen the title, and if you know, you know, it's one of the probably widest, poorly received comics of all time, I'd say. I don't think that's, um, over- I don't think that's exaggeration. It's be- Some people refer to it as the worst comic ever, at least definitely the worst superhero comic, or one of the worst. Bad. It's, I mean, we'll get into the specifics, but I mean, that is basically the gist of it. We're doing Spider-Man One More Day. There was a point at which I messaged Ryan and said, this is too bad, I can't talk about it. Like, I actually struggled. Phys- I physically struggled 
I had to give an inspiring speech, like one of those American sports films. Like, well, like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Come on. Or Dead Poets Society. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Same actor, wrong <laughs> the, film. The other Robin Williams. Where's your teacher one? <laughs> no, if it's Goodwill Hunting, I'd be like, you've, you've read the books, but you've never gone to the places, you damn dumb kid. But you're great at math, and I love you like a son, even though you're not. Well done. Yeah. That's, that's a very good dramatic reenactment of Goodwill Hunting. That was a direct quote as well. I've got was the, it? So I've, I have the script in front of me all the time, obviously. But yeah, I had to give you a bit of a pep talk, like, come on, oh, let's... captain, my captain. <laughs> I was like, come on, let's rip it apart. You know, it deserves it. It's like it's it's renownedly hated. So you're you're on you're on the same little bandwagon. And it turns out people are on board with you in some degrees to the last Spider-Man comic. So yeah, I'm not the only one who felt that way, am I? No, exactly. So now we're gonna experience it in a bit more in depth. Do you know I still pull up the screenshots from that comic and say, "Look how bad it was." I've got some screenshots from this one, yeah, so they'll be the new ones. I saw now. them on your phone, yeah. peeking at me. So I think with this one, uh, it goes without saying, this is a comic from 2007, 2008. It just followed the original Civil War, God, the we, heady days yeah, of we, the late noughties. We are getting straight into it. Um, honestly, parts of this comic, I thought, is it older? Because I'm surprised the style, <clears throat> I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but the art style made me think it was older. And I'm not to say it was bad, but I'm surprised how the house style was so different only, I mean, what, 14, 13 years ago? Uh, 16, but yeah. 16? God damn, yeah. 2007, yeah. Yeah, yeah I never claimed to be good at maths. <laughs> Neither of us have ever claimed that. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know what Ryan does for a living. <laughs> and you're Te just going to have to guess. Teachers, you say, you're never going to have a, a calculator. A calculator. For any of our Gen Z uh, listeners, teachers used to warn us that we wouldn't have a calculator all the time. And then within 10 years, we all have a calculator at all times. Exactly. I think the sad irony is that people don't really know how to use calculators anymore. I mean, your plus signs, your minus signs, sometimes a percentage thrown in there. That weird little tick with the thing. Oh, the the square, square root. root. Yeah. And we know we know stuff. We know well, maths. Because we, we, I don't know if they still have them, but can you remember the graphing calculators? Uh, vaguely. I haven't, I haven't used one in decades. So the ones that we had had this like really like drab little LCD screen, hmm. but they now have good enough screens that you can run Pokemon games on them. And so on the like Nuzlocke community that I follow on Reddit, there are kids in school Nuzlocking Pokemon games on their calculators when they're meant to be doing maths. And the thing that charms me the most about it is when they get a shiny. Do you know much about shiny Pokemon in the games? I mean, I know shiny cards. That's probably my, my limit. So shiny Pokemon in the games have a different color. Right. And they're incredibly rare. Becoming less and less rare in the modern games. But in the earlier games, there was no way to game it. There was no way to increase your odds. And we're talking like one in six hours and most people never saw one. And there was this kid with a shiny Pokemon locked onto a calculator <laughs> with no way to trade it out to another. It was so good. I made say, my day. I think I've mentioned this before, but the the people who put original Doom on a pregnancy test screen, like that's that kind of level, isn't it? I think it takes experts to actually get it working. Like we couldn't do it. I can barely run games on normal consoles. <laughs> I, I need help with that. I bet you could get Doom to run an abacus. Yeah, I just like count demons that I'm killing in my head. <laughs> well, you know, what the yeah. fuck else are you going to do with an abacus? And now I think you're, what's going to be your favourite phrase for the next hour or a half or so is back to the comic. Oh, <laughs> God. Like, back to the mines. Oh, God. I, I think I'd rather. No, that's not true. Mining looks miserable. 
Yes, it looks. Uh, I mean, that there is a conspiracy theory that the reason Minecraft was so popular was because all the people who are like kids should get back in the mines. The children yearn yeah, for the mines exactly. is the expression I've seen. But what types of Victorian labour would I rather do than talk about this comic? I think I think I, I think I'm deserved to spend a minute ruminating on this. This would be a great blurb for when it first came out. It's like <laughs> gone to a professional reviewer. Like, Here's a list of all the manual labour I rather would have done than read this comic. I would rather break rock with a hammer mm. i think i would rather operate a loom i mean the loom work doesn't look it doesn't look that demanding children lost their hands in the looms <laughs> that's why you got <laughs> the kids with the smaller hands to get in and out well like. yeah that's what they were there for and they would lose their hands in the workhouses right and i would rather do that okay well if if dear listener if you needed any uh recommendation on whether to or not to read this comic <laughs> get a loom <laughs> i would say for me i in terms of recommendation i would say this is on so bad and also just the larger ramifications for this popular character this is like not so bad it's good but so bad it's worth reading in i know i disagree so trolls 2 is so bad it's good the room is the the ultimate. So bad is good. The oh, the room, the room, and um, but the room is just good. <laughs> <laughs> like the room, I, I think I think the room goes so far full circle on that one that the room is just a magical piece of cinema. Yes, but intention is what matters here. Like it wasn't <laughs> intended to be a comedy. Like, <laughs> but it's insightful. It's powerful stuff. The room, such such amazing uh, insightful lines. Like, hello, doggy. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) But I would say in terms of like comic history, I think the so bad then noteworthy is definitely a thing. Yeah, and I suppose this is noteworthy. (laughs) I just, I don't know, Ryan. Well, it's interesting because it's kind of bad on two fronts. I think the more... (laughs) (laughs) It's bad on every front. There's two two main fronts, the two biggest fronts that it's bad on. This is a perfect diamond of bad Mm. where every single facet is just another turd waiting to be caught in the light of my eyes as i read it yeah that makes sense um and also a great blurb for the comic if it came out (laughs) it also requires that you have a basic understanding of the way that diamonds are cut yes (laughs) the thing i mean is it's obviously i there's a lot we're going to criticize on just it as a standalone comic like the writing the art the everything the everything But, (laughs) but also it's what Got it. What garnered it such critical? What's the opposite of a claim? Uh, shitting on. Yeah, we'll go yeah. critical shitting on. What garnered that was how badly they treated the character and like kind of assassinated the character of Spider-Man and his not even necessarily assassinate him like his his him as a character, but like how they just ruined his life for the sake of like. We don't. We we can't be asked to write him being happy and settled down because that's boring. Thorough character character assassination. Like every mm. single choice he made was the worst possible choice, and every other character was looking at him, going, "Don't make the bad choice." And he went, "I'm going to make the bad choice." <laughs> and he, oh, it was just awful. He's like an impetulant child, but angry. But that anger has the anger is not really directed anywhere. Himself. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's but, the intention, isn't it? Like, Yeah, but it doesn't come across very well. No. So let's start can, at the very can, beginning. Can we start with um, you summing up the story? No. Come on, this is one of the best. I fucking refuse. This is one you can do whatever you want. Like, <sighs> I'll leave in that breath noise for, for context. <laughs> deep breath in, deep breath out. Spider-Man has revealed his identity 
because of reasons and Tony Stark is pissed at him and he's a fugitive and Aunt May is dying and he's going to every length to try and save her but not making any smart choices along the way. Yeah, pretty much. I'd say that's a it's spot on. The only bit I would add from slightly more context, which I think you'll agree is meant to be important to the story, is that Aunt May is killed because someone tried to shoot Peter Parker and he dodged out of the way and it hit Aunt May. So that's the, the extra responsibility he feels for. But in the panel when we see that, mm. in the panel where he goes to the other timeline or whatever, Doctor yeah. Strange gets involved so it gets weird. Yeah. He doesn't jump out of the way. He saves he, Mary Jane, doesn't he? He saves Mary Jane, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you got trolley questioned. Yeah, a little bit. Right? Yeah. Like but it was, it was, the, no, it was, it's a straight up trolley question. Yeah. He could save either one of them and he saved the one who wasn't in the path of the fucking bullet. Yeah. I don't think that's important. I think the, the, his, uh, his guilt isn't from his actions in the room there and then. His guilt is from revealing his identity, which well, yeah. brought the gunman to attempt to the shooting. Yeah, but... Uh, There's a lot to criticize. I think that's just one of the few ones I'm like, actually, that's, th- that's just fine. Like, it's the rest of it, which sucks. So, let's start at the very beginning. Sure. The panel layout. Not great. fucking shocking. <laughs> it's a bunch of tiny panels showing entire rooms and multiple characters. And it's laid out horribly. Mm. Like, they're doing this, like thirds and then halved again so it's like six panels down snaking from left to right as it goes down Hmm. all of the artwork looks shitty because it's all fucking tiny i think i have a theory and i'd have to read a lot more from this era to confirm this or not i think this era of comics they were trying to get out of the oversimplified 80s 90s panel layout which like we saw with the john romita senior stuff was like it was big panels but it was big colors and like bright that colors stuff that... looked great yes but so because <laughs> the art was so good you could have these big panels it's like look at this great panel whereas i think yeah. because the art got darker and grittier they were also trying to do that with the panel layer as well and so we've been talking about a lot of really modern stuff recently mm-hmm. and we keep coming back to these really soft warm toned comics where there's lots of like pale colors and they're all playing against each other Mm. and it's all been really beautiful and then we got this which is fucking brown yep brown and black all everywhere only way i can describe it is fucking shit brown yeah like there's just even i mean obviously spider-man is red we don't see much of spider-man we mostly see peter parker he's very rarely in the suit because he's in his fuck it era i suppose well this is the one reason the one time (laughs) where you can it makes sense contextually because he's like at one point he's literally like i'm just web swinging as peter parker because everyone knows who i am yeah absolutely but he looks shitty yeah they've even managed to make mary jane not look great how Mm. do you fuck up mary jane like it's mary jane pretty ginger woman it's all you need to do i think to be fair she understandably looks quite sad through most of it so maybe this isn't the one where it's like the characters don't look as attractive as they are because they're just sad all the time during maybe that might be it if you've experienced any Victorian art, you know the sad can be pretty hot. Well, <laughs> I'd think about that one for a second, but I guess so. Kind of that, it's kind of that ending of Wedding Crashes kind of vibe. Um, <laughs> fucking done. Then we have to put timestamps in for when the laugh starts and when the laugh stops. The end of Wedding Crashes. Even the cat is looking at you like... Dude. <laughs> it's okay. That just really tickled me. 
I've definitely put type steps in. I'm back. <laughs> you can't. You have to edit out the laugh because it's like 30 seconds long. I'll take out like a bit in the middle. <laughs> so it's just the start and the crescendo. None mm. of the body of the laugh. It just goes, ah, ah. <laughs> Okay. Or I'll leave it all in. I haven't decided yet. Fuck me. So yeah, everyone's so, pretty sad in this comic. <laughs> yeah, everyone's pretty sad, but it's all very brown. Yes. It's all really fucking brown. And then... It gets really red towards the end once uh, Mephisto's in it a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I suppose it kind of has to, doesn't well, he, it? Well, he takes up entire panels. Like, it gets yeah. really close to that point, but because the background's all darkness. So I'm like, yeah. I guess they kind of had to if that was the plan. So the other thing that happens is we get some of that, oh, just classic John Romita Jr. stank on the artwork. There is a moment where Peter Parker is back in the Spider-Man suit, but he's pulled it up to like just under his nose. But they've left the suit the same size it would be with his head in it. So it looks like he's that blue character from that one film. There's a lot of blue characters in a lot of films. The, the, the animated superhero film, the bad guy who's actually a good guy. Oh, With the big head. With the big oh, blue head. Ah, uh, um, uh, voiced by Will Ferrell. Yeah, 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 that guy, that guy. Is he called... What's it called? Mast- Megamind. 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 Yeah, so they Megaminded him because, like, you see his face, but then you see the Spidey face and the big head. And then just looking at it, like, is that all head or is his? Because I've always experienced Spider Man's suit being, like, soft and leathery. As I think opposed it changes to, like, in interpretation. Sometimes, like, skin tight spandex. Sometimes it's got a bit of wrinkle in it, like, material. But never solid enough that if he took half the, 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 the mask off. It would just sit atop his bonds. Maybe it's so, like, he hasn't washed it in a while, and it's just kind of, like, <laughs> formed a shape. A sweat cap. Yeah, so that when he lifts it up, it kind of retains shape for a few oh, seconds. Ryan. So, yeah, the the art is pretty I told stanky. You, I told you you'd enjoy this comic. We're oh, <laughs> talking about it. The art is pretty stanky. Yeah, I mean, while we're on the topic of the art, I'll get into one of the pictures I took. Oh, show I thought, me. I thought for this... Like, I, well, I should clarify, like you mentioned earlier, this was not drawn or illustrated by John Romita Jr. No. Uh, we will actually get into the people who did it. Normally, I mention writers and artists up top. We're going to talk about them later because there's a bit to get into with that. Oh, is there? Yeah. But this one shot, I was like, Jamie's not going to like this. Oh, see, I was... That, the bulging eyes. That's quite late in, isn't it? Um... I can't, I can't remember. I don't think so. But just, yeah. It's, I remember it. That first issue, especially. And also this one. <laughs> where he kind of looks like he's biting his bottom lip he is pulling like a mm, yeah yeah but like a, it's it's kind of like so he's the panel is he's pulling on his web and is this a mid fight with iron man so he's pulled on the web and he's pulling with such gusto that he's he's kind of pulling the andy sandberg jizz in my pants face <laughs> yes so yeah, I thought that was particularly good. In that fight with Iron Man when he says, When my webs went internal, I just always really wanted to know what would happen if I just really like squeezed one out. And then yeah, Iron I, Man like he just goes full bukaki and Iron Man is just completely covered in web. I made a note of that line because I was like I was like Archer. So I was like Archer. Phrasing <laughs> The line is literally for anyone who wants to know, it's I just made the note of just just emptied everything I had inside me until I was like, surely there was a better way to write that line. 
Surely there was somebody a better one. Somebody edited this. It was somebody's job to edit all of the words that ended up in that comic book. Someone thought- knew and was <laughs> was like, the comic's going to be shit anyway, so we might as well have a laugh with it. It reminded me of that scene in Scary Movie where that guy's been trying to have sex with his girlfriend for the entire film and then she finally lets him and he, she, he just glues her to the ceiling. As uh, they say in Ankman, a line that always stuck me with, a, a tsunami of frothing jism. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing with Iron Man made no fucking sense. Yeah, I've got a lot of notes about oh that as well. Oh my God. But, right, so should we, should we start? So I made start? a very particular note about the beginning, which was I thought that it, this might have the worst opening line of a comic i've ever read oh i forgot about the opening page oh my god ryan it did the first cardinal sin of bad comic book writing didn't it what just being bad (laughs) well no but the cardinal sin it did the dc thing oh the monologuing yeah so it's a monologue in weird bad like and the speech bubbles aren't like normal comic book speech bubbles and they're two different colors for no fucking discernible reason so i think one is meant to be I think so. It some of them are in black. The first couple, I think yeah, that's yeah. Mephisto, and then it's meant to be Peter Parker. Still doesn't read well. But the problem is, like he's taught. It's maybe Peter Parker talking. It's, it seems like it is contextually, and then it just cuts to Peter Parker, and it's like we're we're, di- we're doing something different now. Normally, those monologues are like the superhero is just like going about their business, and they're like. Yeah, it's been tough recently, but, you know, I'm keeping on or whatever the monologue is. But But, they're doing something, aren't they? But it's set around this, these, these images, right? Mm. Which are like, I think images of like New York or wherever. But they're inset with black outside borders, like a fucking YouTube video from 2005. Yeah. And we're just seeing the pigeons fly, right? It's one particular bird, which we think, we assume is Mephisto. Yeah, but when we get back to the... When he gets back from the past and he's talking about the fact that those like demon things were trying to maintain the timeline, we see the bird again. And I'm like, what is so important about this bird? I think it's meant to be Mephisto. Right. Okay. I mean, it wasn't explained. That's fine. I think it's just inferred. But no, it did the DC thing that I detest, Mm. which is a big monologue over a bunch of nothing artwork. Yeah. And it opens with it, Ryan. I th- I th- it was my first impression of the comic book was like, well, this is going to be shit. That is a, it's such a weird thing that comics have just kind of unilaterally latched onto. Yeah. I think it's meant to be like the noir film opener, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what? When you've got a really great voice actor and it's black and white and it's an old film and the microphone's got a little bit of that like vintage stank on it where you're losing some of the treble register i'm, I'm gonna be so fascinated if we actually picked that up or not. Yeah, like yeah. i genuinely don't know if we did so. um and then you've got like it was the worst day of my life and mm. and, and that's kind of cool in all, that of all the bars and all the town why'd you have to walk into this one like yeah that. like i kind of like that trope mm. and it was, the- it was great in human target like that kind of vibe yeah but yeah absolutely but human target was a noir exactly exactly so it 100% gets to play with that. Mm. But I don't necessarily think in every context it translates to the page. And Spider-Man is meant to be super quippy. And so the idea that he's having this pensive moment and he's like, oh, I can't believe that my aunt's in the hospital and, you know, everything's gone shit for me. I'm like, I don't need that. I mean, to be, uh, I cannot excuse the lack of quippiness for the context, but I see what you mean. Like, this isn't interesting. Like, this isn't yeah. entertaining. The, the line that, as if people are, dying to hear it is 
the line is is the first panel it's the start is this monologuing to nothing basically and line is tune your ear to the frequency of despair and cross-reference by the longitude and latitude of a heart in agony <laughs> i read that and i was like what are you on about it sounds like something it's one of the most pretentious lines i've ever read yeah it's the kind of thing that that one angsty kid who wore eyeliner mm. would write in your gcse creative writing class it, it's faux deepness it's it's, uh, it's yeah it's i it's, mean it's i'm 14 year i'm 14 years old and this is deep i'm going to um you re reuse a phrase that i sent to you down messenger mm. it's verbose without being profound yes exactly it's verbosity for the sake of it it's just words being spunked onto a page like so much fucking web fluid and when you're trying to start off with profoundness is that profundity. the term profundity when you I, I was thinking of profanity and i was like no that would have made this better <laughs> i think when you're trying to start off with that without having any build up at all or context it's just going to come off as that like well yeah because i only care about what a character says once i've seen them say a few things it reminds me of like other big uh, like great opening lines mm. but those are all rooted in the context of how good everything was to follow so like the the first one that comes to mind is like uh it was the best of times it was the worst of times that kind of stuff Dickens. but that like it's people weren't just like wow what a great line and then just stopped reading like it's because the rest of the story was so great they were like oh and the first line was great as well like, so it's like the opening line of the great gatsby mm is in my younger and more vulnerable years my father gave me some advice that i've been turning over in my mind ever since and you read that line and then you read that in retrospect and the advice is that not everybody is parceled out equally at birth the same privileges that you had and then you think about that in context of the book and how the whole book is about wealth and the attainment of wealth and getting what you want and the american dream mm. and fuck that first line punches really hard but here it's like... But also when you first read it, it doesn't mean much in the beginning. But, yeah. but it's also not trying to do something before it's got started. Exactly. Whereas mm. here, at the very end, like this opening line wants to be profound, but really it's just saying... It's not earned it Spider-Man is sad. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But also adding the, the longitude and le <laughs> like, what? <laughs> It's just, and it's it's, it's oh. like a robot's trying to find depression within their circuit board. It's like I probably should remove this smile before I attend this robot funeral. So let me find the <laughs> longitude and latitude of sadness. <laughs> They're using big words to make them sounds make themselves sound more photosynthesis. Yes, and at least luckily, it's just this one line. Oh, that joke did not land. Cause I think it's because you use it all the time around me. Oh, is it? <laughs> Someone got maybe got a kick out of it. But um, yeah, they luckily they don't do this kind of speech after this, which was a nice surprise. Like I was worried it's going to be really pretentious all the way through. Doctor Strange does. He always talks like that though. That's like that's like yeah, Thor. that's kind of his thing, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I suppose they've elevated Spider Man's um, they've they've ele elevated his parlance up to the level of like a Doctor Strange unnecessarily. Well, we the assumption you guess is like when he's sad, he talks like this, which. It's just a bit dumb. It doesn't really make sense. So I, maybe, I guess at this point, he's a bit older. Like, this is a Spider-Man a bit into his career. Like, we'll get into some timeline stuff later as well, because there's some fascinating timeline. So within is the, this post-Civil War? This is post, yeah, the first Civil War. Uh, Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah. The Superhero Registration Act. Yeah. And the reason that I... So I gave you a little bit of this, but I wanted to, again, give you as little, just to yeah. see if Well, it, I kind of know this yeah. stuff anyway. 
But basically, Spider-Man was on the side of Iron Man. He was like, yes, I think we should be you know, registered with the government for you know, safety and collateral damage and all that. And part of it, Iron Man was like, hey, we're trying, to do like a, we're trying to do like a real PR thing to get the public on this side. I think you should be the face of it. And part of that should be, hey, it's okay to give your identity to the government. It, I'm going to reveal mine to the entire world because this how much I believe in this whole system. So he revealed, and it's a, it's a great panel in the story. Which like, is kind of a dick move. And when they do it in the MCU, Iron Man just reveals his own identity, doesn't he? Yes, in the first Iron Man film, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I'm Tony Stark, I'm Iron Man. But making the kid do it. <laughs> I mean, Iron Man is a bit of a dickhead in Civil War. Like, that's kind of the point. I mean, you know, Iron Man, like, I feel like the MCU had made him... The MCU knew they were t- the MCU knew they were teeing up to make him a central character, and so they made yeah. him more likable through the second film, didn't they? But also, still some dickhead qualities. Like he yeah. creates Ultron, and then he goes into the MCU Civil War, being like, "We need to be careful in case another Ultron happens." And it's like, "Mate, you fucking made him! Like, what are you on about?" <laughs> Just a quick side note: mm-hmm. Jarvis, yes. What the fuck? Jarvis was always a human butler in the comics. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, fuck That was off. an MCU change, yeah. So Paul Bettany, like the superhero shtick, that's all from the MCU? I think they've integrated it now in the comics, but it started in the MCU, <laughs> yeah. So Jarvis was just like, what, what's, what's, Batman? what's Batman's butler called? Uh, Alfred. Uh, he's just like an Alfred character. Yeah. <laughs> that's so shit. To be fair, if you had read comics before watching the MCU, it'd be like, of course Jarvis is a butler, like Alfred. And then you would have been like, ooh, they've turned him into an AI, like in the MCU. Yeah, because when I saw Jarvis, I was like, what is this old dude doing? Because it just didn't make any... Because... Because I suppose, yeah, I've... I've I mean, we've not talked about any Iron Man on the podcast. I don't know why that is. It's because they haven't done Iron Man stuff to tie in with. Like, we'll do some at some point. Uh, Absolutely, but... Yeah, it's just, it's it's because Iron Man, I think, has been like an oversaturated character in both the comics and the live action. So yeah. now they're not doing as much stuff for him. Like, they're still doing comic book series, but honestly, I've read them and then they're, they're just kind of all mid. Like, yeah. there hasn't been a great Iron Man comic for a while, in I my opinion. take mid right now. <laughs> no, because mid is boring. Mid <laughs> is more boring than this. This is, this is interesting and in how bad it is. And, so yeah, so this is post-Civil War Spider-Man. Yes, and then Peter Parker reveals his identity and he's like... And it's a very, it's a famous panel. It's a really good one. It's him on a stage, photographs going, and he's like, my name's Peter Parker, and I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old. And that just like, that in itself, like that is a better line because it's so to the point and basic, but it's poignant in just the age and everything. Yeah, no, that's actually quite powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And then what happened is uh, he realized that Iron Man was going too heavy on like imprisoning the superheroes who weren't following the registration, the rebels. And he was like putting him on a like a prison in like another dimension kind of stuff. And I don't I don't remember if that's the specific thing that got him, but he was doing bad shit like that. And then Park was like, actually, I'm going to stop you now. And then Iron Man's like, I thought you might turn on me. And this is the point. Uh, there's a famous Spider-Man suit called the Iron Spider. It's yeah. basically an Iron Man Spider-Man yeah. suit. And he's like, I figured you were going to tell me. So I put in like a, a, a fail safe in your suit. Yeah, because so, I suppose there's a, They've played that idea a few times, haven't they? That Iron Man made suits for Spider-Man. Well, this one particular. Like, yeah. He's probably done others, but this is like the most famous one. Because we see the Iron Spider in the MCU at some point, don't yeah, we? Yeah, it was that reference to exactly that suit. Right. And then, With the leggies like Doc Ock yes, has. Yeah. Leggies. And, yeah, leggies. Uh, armies and leggies. <laughs> and then he, um, 
then he joins Captain America's side and there's a great panel there where because he gets fucked up in the fight with Iron Man yeah. and he escapes like he literally doesn't he gets fucked up by Iron Man in that one yeah and then he escapes and is rescued and brought to Captain America by the Punisher and that's uh... a great one because Punisher finds like a bleeding nearly dead peter parker and he's like get a medic or something whatever that's actually quite cool and then you have a great um not philosophical but like a, a moral argument between the punisher and captain america because captain america's like look we're still not killing people or anything and punish like you're half measure and and then there's a great scene where captain america beats the shit out of punisher because he kills a criminal nice and the punisher will not even defend himself in any way and captain america's pissed off he's like fight back and he's like no, never to you. Because he was Punisher's idol growing up. That's pretty Because he was a wartime superhero. Is Civil War well-liked? I So I've heard people uh, uh, like have not liked her. I yeah. think generally it was really well-received when it first came out. But there's a lot of people who kind of contrarian, like, actually I didn't like her. Actually. So I think the, the general consensus, it must be liked. I personally, I really liked it. Like, yeah. I read it years after i knew the general beats of what happened i read it when we worked together i'm pretty sure i either read civil war or civil war 2 when we worked civil together war 2 was coming out captain mark short-haired captain Marvel. that was civil war 2 yeah okay. so that was coming out when we worked together so that yeah. it was like the latest comics out then yeah i remember reading that and being like eh, it's cool and then i went straight back to reading um preacher <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was excellent <laughs> I, I do like the references this comic makes to civil war like i but that's a general thing like i like the 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 universe and how it relates to each other and... i mean in fairness if you don't like a big interrelated universe then marvel or dc is just not your thing, <laughs> no, is it? absolutely not there's a panel right it's the one where and i'm going on a massive tangent right now but now that yeah. i've now that i'm now that, that I'm that's thinking the podcast there's a single panel in this game in this game <laughs> Where Spider-Man gets the many Spider-Men upgrade from Doctor Strange. And he lets him go be in a bunch of places at once to ask okay, a bunch yeah. of people for help. Yeah. And I'm like so sure one of them is Golden Era Batman. It's, I mean, it's definitely not based on the the copyright issue. Get your phone. <laughs> I will, I'll find on the laptop. Because yeah, I yeah. know the panel you want. Can you fill time while I'm uh, finding the panel? Yeah, of course I can. Um, so COD. <laughs> really fascinating. <laughs> It's the only time I get any space to talk about the things that interest me. And no, it's always the one subject. It's always co man, Codcast. I'm here for the Codcast. No, it, it, uh, Ryan, it just... Anytime I stop talking and I think about it for a second. I'll tell you what, I'll give you one of my notes to, to rebound off. Okay. I made notes of like the, ish, the problems with like the story. Oh yeah, go for it, shoot. One of the first ones was they're in the hospital. Yeah. May's in, in the hospital bed. She's suffering a gunshot and she they are in and peter's like oh yeah may morgan i think was the name it's like yeah and then the dialogue the monologue's like i checked us into a fake name obviously basically but he was like yes fake names peter morgan mary jane morgan and aunt may morgan no one will ever find out yeah no i clocked that it's just like i was like you're meant to be a genius mate well this is it isn't it and the whole and i think this is a recurrent theme through the whole comic book which is that Peter Parker is meant to be desperately intelligent and he just makes consistently poor choices. So I can understand poor choices made under duress from emotional weather. But he makes dumb choices. Yes, this is a dumb choice and this had no no reason to exist in the, uh, in the comic. At the very least, they could have been like, let's choose some different names. He could have been like Ben Morgan after Uncle Ben and they could have just done names like that, but... Yeah, I think that was just like a very lazy, like, 
Oh I mean, yeah, they've changed their last name. Any names. name other than your own name. Yes. Is, when where fake names are concerned, any name other than your own name. Do you know um Lewis Capaldi? I've heard of him. When he writes songs for other artists, he always uses a pseudonym. Right. Um when on the credits. Mm. And so I think there's a song that he wrote under the name Anita Jobby. And obviously a jobby's a shit in Scottish parlance. And so it's I need a jobby. Like I need to go for a shit, and that's one of the names yeah. he uses for the credits. Am I gonna have to come around and point out I've Batman? S- I think I see the one you're referring to. It looks like Batman. It looks like it. What I know who it is. It's um I it's the it's the costume of Ant-Man when he was what's in known as his yellow jacket costume. So oh, there's a little bit there's right. a tiny bit of yellow on the shoulder and it comes up. But the the cowl without because yeah. it's cut off before the before the bat ears would be. Yeah. So it looks like it in this calf way, but I can tell who it's meant so to it's be. So it's not Batman. But it is like if you show that to anyone who didn't know as much as I do, or a comic book nerd, they'd be like, Is that Batman and Spider Man? Like that that would have been the thing. Like, yeah, it looked like Batman. Yeah. Uh, Batman Jr. though, not Batman Senior, but Golden Era Batman Jr. But as I said there's a bit of yellow in his costume, so unless he's got like a bright yellow Batman costume, didn't Batman have a yellow bit of yellow in his costume? He had a bit of yellow. It was the main bar on the, in the middle there, yeah. yeah. And I think that came about. I might be wrong about this, but I think that came about because of the Burton film. I think they were like, "Oh, we want the logo to have a bit of color in it." Yeah, because like Adam advertising. West's Batman was more purple with a black logo, wasn't it? Purple or dark blue? I think it's literally one of those things where if you show people, they'll give like different answers. Like the dress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it blue and black or gold and white? Mm. But Batman, I think he's had purple, like dark purple as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's a similar look. But I can see how you made that. Bats, which are famously purple. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a bloody zoologist Batologist, so i don't know zoologist <laughs> any kind of zoologist would be able to do some pretty good bat science i imagine bat science is like what just batman call science but in the bat cave <laughs> <laughs> yes that's there's, now canon there's a a batman related joke where batman and robin in the batmobile and it breaks down and robin goes what, what was it and batman goes i think we might have to change the battery and he goes what's a terry <laughs> that's really is that genuine it's a joke i don't think it was in a comic oh, but i think someone's made as like so a joke good. on reddit or tumblr or somewhere um but yeah there's a lot of issues that i made notes of um i thought it was weird that the american characters in this comic were suddenly like wait we have to pay for healthcare." yeah like, yeah do you and, not know that and and that would have been really interesting if it was a deeply privileged character like learning about their own system and having that moment of like, oh, I live in an unfair country. Yeah. If it was Batman or Iron Man, yeah. that would have been more but poignant. They were poor, weren't they? Yes. Like they grew up shit poor. Peter Parker is famously poor yeah. most of the time. And so, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And the idea that... The only thing is Parker himself could have been like, wait, how does medicine work? Because he's just not been injured. Like he's not, he's probably, his powers mean he's probably not had to go to a hospital in forever at best maybe like avengers hospital which is obviously different so i can understand him maybe being like oh shit yeah you have to pay normal peasants have to pay for health like normal mortals have to pay for healthcare but mary jane would have been like oh yeah no we have to pay like this isn't a surprise you think it's a consideration they would have made particularly as they're trying to keep a low profile Mm. and nothing makes you more conspicuous in an american hospital than everyone finding out you're fucking poor i think the the depressing reality is that that's not that uncommon i know yeah i suppose fuck me but oh 
God, the erosion of the National Health Service. Mm. Think about it often. Well, at least we can dive into a, some escapism with... Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to. The surrealness of Peter Parker web swinging was quite good. Something else that I would rather do mm. than read this comic is talk about the privatisation of the National Health Service. And that is not a conversation I want to have very often. To me, that's more depressing. I'd rather talk about this shit comic <laughs> than, uh, well, this than is the harsh thing. reality. This comic is so depressing that it's less depressing than the privatisation of the National Health Service, Ryan. So what do you think of Peter Parker web swinging? Well, I mean, well, I've seen it though. Like I've seen Tobey Maguire do it. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, it's a little weird seeing in comics. I don't recall seeing in comics before. It's obviously been done before. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. we know that he was full to bursting at that point. Yeah, with, with natural <laughs> web, which I thought was an odd. Um, obviously, they've, something's happened before this in the continuity where he's now got natural webbing. and It, it switches from time to time when well, the writer just wants to change it up. I feel like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, they did that just to get that one shot of his wrist or gooey. I think that in that, I assume, and I think I might have heard this before, but I'm not sure. But I think what it was was the 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 producers and writers at the time, maybe even Sam Raimi, were just like, it's too complicated to explain um, web shooters. So let's just get, yeah. make it one of his powers. And to be fair, that is like, that does make more sense generally. Like the main reason that the actual like fans of the comic book wanted the web shooters is because that's how it is in the comics. That's, a, that's always how it's been. Yeah. yeah. So but in that instance, I can imagine, like, he's, he sticks to walls, he's got spider sense. Like, oh, why wouldn't his body produce webbing from his wrists or something? <laughs> and there's that fun moment. I've not seen the crossover film, but isn't there that fun moment where um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tom Holland's Spider-Man discover that Tobey Maguire's yeah. Spider-Man doesn't need web like, shooters? And they're like, You guys can't do that? Like, <laughs> and they're both a bit grossed out by it. Like, oh, that's weird. And then one of them's asking, like, so do you make the webs in your body? Like, where is it stored? And he's like, I don't really want to answer these questions right now. <laughs> Which is the, the the maker's way of saying, like, we can't be asked to give you answers for that right we now. We never, yeah, we, we got through three films without ever having to explain it. Why are we doing it This now? is us hanging a lampshade on it. Like, just don't worry. We've addressed it. We're moving on. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. It. I did like the art panel of... Iron Man webbed up. It was like a full splash page, and yeah, but that's like that. only because they didn't have to achieve any kind of human form. Um, they just had to draw a mummy. Yeah, and I, I get it. It was a cool panel. I liked it too. Yeah, and the detail on the webbing and stuff. Like I like that. And it went dark, and then you see again, and there's just all that web around him, and he's kind of cocooned in it. Yeah, but then the, his whole thing about he going to Iron Man because he wants some money, right? Yeah, and then he's like punches the helmet at the end and walks off. It's like that. Iron Man helmet is probably worth a bit. Well, the one the thing I liked about it is when he punches the helmet, the only visible sign of damage is the little blood stain that his knuckle left on it. Mm. And I'm like, that's actually quite cool because that is what would happen if you tried to punch Iron Man's helmet because it's made of the same shit as um, Wolverine's skeleton, isn't it? I don't think so, no. Because the whole point of adamantium, the Wolverine skeleton. So just in my... Actually, oh, it's really uh, heavy, isn't it? It's heavy, and the actual specific science fiction of it is that it's a metal that you can um, melt down and form once. Because after that, the properties of it is it's unbreakable. After that, oh, so right. as an Iron Man suit, you can like make stuff that then couldn't move or be malleable afterwards. Yeah, Whereas so it would. Yeah, it Wolverine's work. bones. It's kind of like they're on there forever. Like you're. I've always wondered what Wolverine's ligaments are made out of. 
normal flesh and bone. Oh, uh, they'd have to be made out of some pretty strong shit, though, wouldn't so they? So he he builds a lot of muscle just by moving because yeah. the metal weighs him down. So it's why he's so bulky despite being short. It's like he his entire body is moving this metal skeleton. I love that it's fully canon that Wolverine is both short and Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that really charming. And they do a great, great job of it in the 90s cartoon, don't they? You know, dun, 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 that one. The the bit I always remember, the bit my go to bit for that is dun 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 Like he's always really short there, isn't he? Yeah, they got it accurate for that. It was always him squaring up to Cyclops because they yeah, were both yeah. in love with Jean Grey, and he's always like squaring up to him, like at his his forehead at Cyclops' <laughs> chin. He's like, "Hey, bubs," <laughs> which was comic accurate. So I, yeah, that was good. Back to the comic. Back to the comic. I'm surprised you said that. Um, turns out Jarvis and May maybe have a thing at this point. Well, I loved her <laughs> with his hand like weirdly mm. on the window. Oh, so weird, man. I yeah. couldn't tell if that was him like doing the bit or well, that he actually felt it because we don't know what the previous relationship was here. That was my thing. I thought he was just overacting to sell. For reference, Iron Man tells Spider-Man that there's no way for him to give him money. And then 25 minutes later, he sends Jarvis up with two mil. Just cash. Yeah, and I actually took a picture of that part because that was a part that I also thought was a bit weird writing of the Iron Man character for this. So obviously Iron Man's been a bit of a bastard because of Civil War and everything. But specifically, he's like, Peter Parker makes the point. Like, he's like, I need you to pay for her care or else. And he's like, or else what? You threaten me. He's like, no, or else he'll die. Like, that's what I'm yeah, appealing to. Yeah, that's the only time that he said anything reasonable. Yeah. But then Iron Man's like, look, any direct help I uh, could give to you could uh, be traced back to me. I could be held liable for aiding, abetting a known criminal. You but see, this is the one point where I think they actually got a character right. Because what Iron Man did there was give himself a level of deniability. So he said, any, like, it's, I almost read that as any direct help that I give you. Mm. And then he was sort of saying, no, I can't directly help you. And then indirectly through a third party, a couple mil turns up. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So Iron Man, because at no point did Iron Man say, I don't want to help. Mm. He just made it quite clear that he couldn't help. And so it kind of like the fact that a third party turns up, weird that it's Jarvis. I mean, because, he was, he's like the closest guy to Iron Man in that moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And somebody that he can trust. He's literally, I need something done. Go do it for me. But I'm a millionaire, right? I wish I was. <laughs> uh, do I wish I was? Yeah, I want to be rich and not famous. Millionaire like nowadays fun. just means you're doing well. Like, it's not like back in like the back in like the 60s, 70s, millionaire was like, oh my God, you're the richest person alive. And now it's Millionaire nothing. now just means you're able to afford a house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I'm obscenely wealthy, right? And I tell somebody that I can't give them money. And then my employee turns up with a bunch of money for them. I get what Iron Man was doing there, and I get why they did that. It would have made a lot more sense if it was somebody not quite as close to Iron Man who did it. So, Do you see where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, I will say I think that's a bit... I, it's a bit nitpicky in the sense of, like, comic universe, and they have only X amount of pages to get stuff done. They're like... Just get Gar- Jarvis to do it. Still, but if yeah. if a random bloke with a fucking pizza, a random bloke could have turned up with a pizza box with two million in cash, and we all would have known it came from Iron Man. Yeah, but right? I think I don't think hospitals take pizza boxes full of cash. I think they need like a cashier's check or whatever that is. 
uh, it's an American hospital, man. Like they they take organs. <laughs> do you if take they could. gold bars that are un- unmarked or something? Do you take untraceable bullion, sir? Do you take bags with dollar bills on the front <laughs> from a man in a striped white and black <laughs> shirt and a mask? Well, in this universe, probably. But I just thought with that, I get what you mean. Like it makes sense in the grand idea. It makes sense for me. The execution was a bit off because. And that's a higher bar for this one. It's like, it's just a bit off. Like, but for me, him being like, I can't help you directly. And I'm like, yep, fair enough. And he basically like, now fuck off and leave me alone or I'll kill you when I next see you kind of thing. It's like, couldn't you have been a little bit like, like you did it. Like, I can't help you directly. Wink, wink. Yeah. Like, just calm down. Maybe someone else will come along and help. And maybe some good Samaritan <laughs> called with a name that's sounds like barvis or something will Only come not. yes maybe some someone's butler who will call alfred for now or something <laughs> as a pseudonym <laughs> this would have been the like when he went off mm. with the the many spideys from doctor strange it would have been the perfect time for him to just go see batman it would have <laughs> been so funny like comic book nerds would have hated it and it would have been great they would have distracted from all the earned hate of the actual <laughs> comments. Like, why are you crossing over? Well, DC would have been like, and we're suing you. But yeah, I just thought the whole thing of being, him being such an ass to Spider-Man in that moment was just to be like, no one's watching you right now. Like, they're not recording. Like, you could have at least got, like, the point across, like, hey, I'm going to help you, but don't worry, you know. I like- mean, it's consistent with his characterization because he doesn't take well to people being unkind to him. Yeah, but then Peter's like... Yeah, no, she's gonna die. Like he's he gets somber at that point. Like I get like the high hostility to begin with. Mm. Like they are enemies on the other side of of the civil war. So when they first see each other, this is one time that I'll like, I'll understand the superheroes fighting when they first meet kind of thing, which is Iron Man, you know, tackling Peter Parker because he's broken into Stark Industries or wherever it is, Stark yeah. Tower, and yeah, he's gonna be like, right, I'm taking him out before he gets a chance because I know how powerful he is. And then they fight for a bit, and then when it comes down he's like yeah i'm just worried about my aunt who hasn't done anything criminal or may at best maybe like she's hid him or whatever mm. but also i myself think like i can't help directly even though it's an old woman grand uh, aunt of a young superhero who's like been caught in the collateral damage that i created by making you unmask like maybe i could have spun that in a pr way to be like actually i'm so good that i help my that my enemies yeah. relatives and i you know i'm that good a samaritan kind of thing I don't know. It, it it came across a bit weird for me. Like, it didn't make as much sense. I mean, it's a puddle in the shit pool. Yeah, we are nitpicking just for our own entertainment, if anything Yeah, else. at this point. Um, the whole Doctor Strange thing, man. <laughs> I mean, I can see with that, like, it why... It makes sense that, I mean, the, the, do- the Doctor, who's also a wizard, is a pretty reasonable person to go to when you want a fucking Mm. medical miracle. Also, around this time, they're making really heavy-handed devil references. Like, Mm. people like, God, I bloody sell my soul to hell, May. Or, or, um, (laughs) ah, bloody storm in the gates of hell, he says at one point. We haven't even got to Mephisto yet. Like, (laughs) calm down. But it was some pretty heavy foreshadowing, wasn't it? If only there was some kind of (laughs) devil-like character who I could make a faustian bargain with so do you know much about faustus no i only know that like reference like using it in that correct context that's it so mephistopheles probably where mephisto comes from it's absolutely where mephisto comes from um is a lesser demon so he's a fallen angel and faustus makes a bargain with him would you like to know what faustus gets out of the bargain when when was this uh victorian era uh a 
clean pair of shoes. <laughs> One well-worn pair of loafers. <laughs> Not too hard. <laughs> he gets a book from which he can identify all fl- flora and a book from which he can identify all fauna. Right. Pretty much it. He gets- Plants and animals for our, for our lesser educated people yeah. like people like me yeah no he gets a book about animals and a book about plants sure. and that's pretty much it and mephistopheles owns that motherfucker right so that's the where it all came from essentially well i mean it's probably been one of those things in like deep root in like mythology and yes. all that kind of stuff so um christopher marlowe who wrote the play dr faustus was actually a bit of a rock star hmm so he, <laughs> there's a pretty thriving theory that he is Shakespeare. Right. That old, that, yeah, that conspiracy theory I've heard of, yeah. He was a total rock star. Right. He was a spy. He was a playwright and a spy, beloved of the queen, and he died with a dagger through the eye in a bar fight. Right. Which is why people think he's Shakespeare, because his writing is a lot like Shakespeare's. And he was a friend of the queen's. And somebody stabbed him in broad daylight in a bar fight and never got brought to justice. It's the real um, Pizzagate of its time. Yeah, and so the general, like, it's not the general consensus. It's a, it's absolutely an oddball literary conspiracy theory. Cool. That Marlowe faked his own death to get away with a bunch of debt and then went on to become Shakespeare. Okay. And that actually the young kid who was in the Globe giving those plays over was actually Marlowe just sat in a really comfy house somewhere getting to write and just going, here you go, mate, here's another play. Um, I feel like there's some inconsistencies that I could pick up on, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know enough to accurately make them. So I'm just going to say to anyone listening, do your own research. That's a, that's a good phrase these days, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, 100%. Like, yeah. That never goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Mephistophelian thing, like... It makes sense that that they would have made a comic book character out of this character. Mm. It makes sense that they would have done that. I think making him like fiery red and look really demonic Mm. really obscures him from his roots because well, they all like that character in in mainstream fiction and literature. What did become the devil, didn't it? Like the whole rock and roll um, thing of like they made a deal with the devil and they became a really great guitar player or you know rock star, whatever. So I think that had already been co-opted to the point where at this point they were like we'll call him Mephisto as a reference but for the reader's sake we'll make him look like the devil because that fits into what we're doing there's a whole um thing with robert johnson isn't there you know Mm -hmm. robert johnson i'm not not no robert johnson is a great blues player and he lived fast and died young in his 30s and he traveled from place to place basically mooching off various women because he was good looking and he could play guitar real good so he'd go to a new town and just meet a woman and be like, hey, can I come live with you for a bit? Right. And he has a song called Crossroads. It's where Crossroad come from. It's where Clapton got it from. Mm. And so there's a whole theory that he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads so he could play the way he could. Is it Route 66 or is, was that a thing that came later? That's just a thing the that came later, right. yeah. Um, I don't even know if Route 66 would have existed at this point in the early 20th century. Again, I only know a bit about the numbering of American roads. I mean, I literally only know that route, so... I can tell you which way they're going based on what number they are. Eh. <laughs> Doesn't help us Not right now. Not super interesting. Um, but no, yeah, I suppose that it's it's a well-worn trope, isn't it? The idea of selling your soul to the devil. Yeah. Um, and it's the a shortcut retconning for this title, which we'll get into. I don't know how well it plays out. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. 
getting back to the Doctor Strange parts, because oh, yeah. I do think with this, there were some obvious functional things towards the story. I'm going about this a really weird way. Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange did. Yes, like... and, and it, it did help, I think, with the theme of the story at this stage. So, like, the two major things that happens, one is Doctor Strange does this for Peter Parker. He basically shows him, like, hey, just so you don't have to run around to every character who could help in this universe, I'm going to do this spell which shows you all of them at once. Yeah. So you don't have to. Basically, it's a tool of, like, here's why Peter Parker doesn't go to every single genius and magician and, you know, yeah. god everyone to he just lets all of those conversations play out yes and i do think that was like a it made sense in the moment with the characters concerned and it 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 allowed the writers just go we'd just skip past that now and it was a necessary transition because before then it had been quite a grounded story peter parker has a very real world problem Mm. and we need to transition this into a much more magical superhero Mm. story how do we do that we bring dr strange on board and i thought it did make a good metaphor for like uh, how desperate peter parker is showing all the people he would have gone to if it wasn't for this spell like i think it was a good quick economical way of showing that i think yeah convenient using the tools of like the the tropes of the genre to to get past a bit quickly and it i suppose on some level it plays with the trope of what i've been calling the deus ex character yeah where a new superhero just drops in and solves everyone's problems. But at least this this makes sense in this universe, because if you were Peter Parker in this situation, you'd be like, let me try Doctor Strange, who I, I know, know and he's he's local to me in New York, and yeah. you know, he'll, he's a good place to start first. Oh yeah, because Doctor Strange has like a three-story walk-up in Manhattan, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you see the... It's got an address, I can't remember it now, but, um, but yeah, the Sanctum Sanctorum, it's called. Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah. But at least, again, it just shows like... Here, here's you trying everyone you don't need to do it now in real life and that is the thing that character would do what i found a bit contrived and this is a thing of like the balance of like science and magic in these kind of universes it's trying to be like hey the big problem right now is may's gonna die soon turns out magic can't do anything for you like yeah. i think that it feels weird to be like magic can't help a bullet wound but on the other side thinking about this a little bit I do at least appreciate the fact that whenever there's a story of a character using magic to like live forever or, you know, heal themselves or whatever, it always goes badly. And there's an undercurrent in the Marvel universe. I don't know if DC does this as well or not, but there's an undercurrent in like Doctor Strange story. You see, he constantly uses the phrase magic always has a price. So the going thing is with magic, you can't just like like make yourself infinitely powerful for nothing. Like there's always a balance, a natural balance within this magical universe. And this is a consistent trope in any fiction or in a lot of fiction where magic is present. Mm. And I think it it helps tether it into something a bit more real. And it's a consistent trope, I think, in early mythologies that feature a lot of magic, mm. which is the magic that heals is inherently a bit twisted there's no shortcuts with magic it's yeah, just like you you can't create life you just transfer it from one form to another yes they're basically using the laws of thermodynamics yeah and to, th- to govern magic and I- that makes sense doesn't it because magic is always portrayed as like it's a type of energy that we just don't mm. really know how to harness and so it would kind of work the same way as energy works in our world yeah i think there's a that's a useful universe building thing to be yes. like you can't just do anything with magic there are its own rules yeah and one way that puts it well in this is in this universe 
is that again like every magical tale of like someone making themselves strong or whatever there's was like and now they've become evil or something or like it's only the evil character like damn the consequences i'm gonna you know heal myself or whatever and there's like oh you've turned evil now because the magic made you evil like there's always a flip you know to that i mean vader end mm. of the prequels vader yeah, yeah he turns to the dark side because there are sides of the force anakin that they don't understand i would say that writing is probably not the best <laughs> basis to be like they did it like this like but do you know what i mean like it's it's another example in fiction that kind of plays to that law of like you to to get to harness magic that can give life where there wasn't life yeah you lose something and it's often your humanity yeah Marvel also does a thing at times, I don't know if this is consistent, I've just seen it in a few places, where they have this idea that science and magic are kind of separate in the way that magic can't do what science does and science can't do what magic does. So they yeah. kind of keep them, that, that, that way they keep science characters and magic characters on somewhat equal playing fields. Except for their main, their main magic character who's also kind of a science dude. Well, he used to be, so that's the whole point. It's like, I was a man of science, now I'm a man of magic. Yeah. And for him, the the transfer, the Doctor Strange character, which makes him fascinating, is it's not that he was he was a smart surgeon doctor that made him a good um, sorcerer. It's his capability for learning things, which accelerated how quickly he learned magic, because he applied that same, like, he was a prodigy um doctor because he learned everything so quickly and he used those same techniques to learn magic there's yeah. one little bit i like about doc strange where in some of his comics his origins he one of the first things he masters is um what's it called like outer body yes you know, kind of thing like uh your your what's it called your something form your corporeal corporeal form, form or, so, or leaving your corporeal form, whatever it is but basically he does that and then at night when his body's sleeping, he he studies while he's asleep. So because he masters that first, he uses that to become an expert on everything else afterwards. So I thought that's like a little like, he's the only one who thought to do that kind of thing. Didn't do what Rick and Morty did and just use it to get real sick abs. No, I don't think so. He didn't even, he couldn't even fix his, fix his hands <laughs> until they jumped the shark a bit later and they fixed his hands. And then it was like, well, what's the point now? Like the, the tragedy of the character was that his hands didn't work. Surgeon with non-functioning hands. Yeah. Exactly. And then at one point, literally, he was like, actually, this problem would be solved if I just fixed my hands. It's like, why didn't you do that the whole time? And they tried to play it's The reason you went on this massive spiritual journey. Yeah, they tried to play off as like, uh, oh, it was a gamble though. And I was like, yeah, all right. Like, Still don't, I still don't like it. I'm still not a fan of it. But it was a gamble that he was less li- he would have been less likely to take later. If he'd done it right at the start, and you'd be like, he's 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 got one foul out of a life that he loves, mm. and he sees a way to get back to that at the start of him having his powers, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense as a motivation for a character. Mm. But once he's also a badass sorcerer, you'd be like, well, being a surgeon's actually a bit pedestrian now that mm. I can do magic. Why would I even bother? And he's also, like, he is self-appointed, like, I've saved this uni- this world from magic like several times over because yeah. I'm I'm the guy who is holding back all the magical like yeah. horrible things that could destroy the world. That scene where he stood next to Iron Man and Iron Man punches his chest and the suit materializes around him. Mm. He's like nanotech. Do you like it? And Doctor Strange is kind of looking at it. It's actually quite cool. Yeah. Any scene that has Iron Man doing his like science techie thing. And then Doctor Strange, like, swirling around and making runes. I'm like, that's actually quite the spectacle. That's quite cool. And this is what I meant by, like, them keeping on equal ground. to be like, science and magic, separate things. Different e- things. Equal, but separate. Equally powerful, yes. but just different. Exactly. 
I think now we're into the oh, and also I like the um, Peter Parker inadvertently reliving the experience. Yeah, that was kind of dark. I thought that was a good way of showing um, getting across the helplessness that someone would feel in this position, yeah. like. In a, in a real world, someone I think would be going over the situation over and over in their head while they're helpless to do anything else. Yeah. I thought that was a good like superhero shenanigans version of like showing that. Um, what's the word? Like bringing that to a physical way. Like yeah, you're yeah. physically in the scene as it's raw, reliving it, it f- and you can't do anything. It was a physical manifestation of his inner turmoil. Yes, exactly. So I thought that was good. I, I'll give credit to that. And I. That I'll get to a bit later, but I, that's where we're kind of crossing the threshold of like, here's where some good stuff still was happening, and then we get into the Mephisto stuff. River of shit. Yeah. The Mephisto stuff, like, there's a bit of bollocks with, like, Peter Parker, like, meeting what turns out to be alternate versions of him, or, like, yeah. alternate timeline versions of him, which is just a, a kind of, like, unnecessary, wanky kind of, like... Mephisto is about to make you a deal that you can't refuse kind of things but first I'm going to show you other alternate versions of yourself isn't that just superhero shtick though that's every Marvel comic book at this point I think it's it's an attempt to give this kind of like is where you could be if you make this deal like the foreshadowing of the deal I'm about to offer you but it's just pointless it's the many demons singing in harmony at him isn't it if you were speaking to Mephisto and he's doing this stuff too you'd be like can we just get to the deal like or can we just like Hurry this up. Like, this is running all Running out of time here. Yes. This is, I'm literally running out of time. Literally, it's called one more day. I know I don't know how long into the day I am in. <laughs> Did the day start at lunchtime? Did it start in the morning? Like, I have no idea. Did it start when I took that abnormally bad poo? Yes. When did you come online for this last day? <laughs> um, I did like, there was a little comic trope use thing where the woman... So, here's an issue I've got. The front page of this issue... It does the whole, like, who are these other people that Spider-Man's talking to? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, And what about the mysterious woman in red? And I'm like, if I didn't know what was happening, you've just given away that oh, there's a woman in red about to appear and she's significant. Like, and you, mysterious. You, we could have, you could have got to that. Like, you didn't need to, basically, I have this pet peeve about front uh, covers of comics. Giving away the story. Giving away yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Like, even though it's not a proper spoiler, but it's like, why, though? No I one's, feel the same way about movie trailers, though. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a... a thing in itself isn't it the thing with the comic books is like no one's looking at the front issue of spider-man number whatever and going oh my god a mysterious woman in red we <laughs> have to get this issue like that's pointless like there was one issue where they had a little bit on the side that said like you want to know what's happening by the issue you're just not a library you know and i was like libraries have comic books <laughs> yeah that could have been in a library also there is a certain subset of teenagers that, that would have goaded into just stealing it oh yeah for sure fuck you <laughs> But the one that I liked is the woman in red is Mephisto, obviously. She's talking in normal, normal speech. And then the last line is like, who could do something? Who could do something so powerful for you? And then at the end, the speech changes font and color to red and goes, but I can. And I thought that's like, I like the comic, what's the comic technique of showing but the Spider-Man voice Spider-Man changing. kept talking it. Like Spider-Man's inner thoughts turned to that red. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. There's loads of points where he talks in red. I don't know. I think that was only Mephisto talking in red. No, because this happened before I met Mephisto. There was there was a bunch of panels where Spider-Man's voice was red. We're going to have to clarify this because I don't think that's correct. So That is absolutely correct. Well, we're going to look it's through an observation that I made. I'll cut out the silence while we're checking. So we've got to the bottom of the mystery. Um, <laughs> what it is, is in this 
period of time in comics and they've sometimes done in more recent ones as well when a character's talking and it's it's really weird they do it for only some of it some well, yeah. of he's talking but they what they've done is they've put the superhero logo almost or like the the color scheme and the yeah and whatever of the character in a faded background of the of the speech box basically. yeah so it's all these red speech boxes. yeah so it's a faded red in the background but you see you also see the spider-man eye like yeah i just that. i just clocked it looking yeah. back at it and i can see why like you like if you don't because the eye is quite faded so yeah. if you don't like see the eye you're like oh this box is a bit red for some reason so for some reason they did that at this time with like you know like wolverines would be like yellow and yeah. there'd be like that ear black ear thing of this thing or batman's would be like black with a Bat Bat ear shape in the background or Batman. something you you'd say that but you haven't you've been calling spider-man spider-man this entire time so you've not been following your own look yeah i don't i don't know if i like spider-man is it that different <laughs> no yeah i should have been calling him spider-man right <laughs> scrap the scrap the recording let's start again <laughs> well adr you're over you every time <laughs> and then when spider-man said this but yeah so and- i'm gonna need to do a bunch of different spider-man 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 yes spider-man Welcome to the world of voice of voice <laughs> acting. But yeah, so for Mephisto, the font and the color of the yes. words changes red. And that's meant to symbolize the literal like voice change. So, like if it was live action animation, the actual voice of the character would change at that moment. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, like there's loads of films where suddenly a character's like talking like this and like, oh my God, they've revealed themselves like yeah. or whatever. But I did like that as like it was a mid change of here's the reveal. As a side note, in the D&D campaign I'm currently playing in, mm. one of our characters for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, his accent was Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards. Bongiorno. Bongiorno, like that kind of bad Southern American accent. Mm. It was meant to be Italian, wasn't it? Well, so when he did the Bongiorno bit, he was, but his actual accent was like he was from Kentucky. Right. Um, but then his the, the character's actual voice was Tom Hardy doing Ronnie, Ronnie Cray. Yeah. I came here for a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> and the moment that he revealed it was as impactful as when they do it in films. And we all looked up, looked up at him on the table and we're like, what the fuck is going on? The, the curtain falls. Yeah, 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 literally. It was great. <laughs> the reveal of the, the Wizard of Oz kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The whole Mephisto thing is a bit weird. Um, one of the alternate Spider-Men, like, here's if you didn't get with MJ. Yeah. And one of them, he's a neckbeard incel gamer, <laughs> as best I can describe. Yeah. Like, it's the hate turns inward, and here's you in your mum's basement or Aunt May's basement <laughs> playing video games. And the other one's like, and here's where your hatred went out, and you became a billionaire out of spite. And it's like... <laughs> Can I be the second one? <laughs> Is it a choice? Because then I can have my own basement to play video yeah. games in. That'd be great. I could play video games in the living room. <laughs> well, I bet you're excited, aren't you? I mean, I would be, given that, <laughs> given that prospect. But uh, yeah, the Mephisto stuff gets really contrived at this point. Yeah. And this is the point where, so this was saying earlier, the other way that this was hated, and it's because of the blatant, contrived, just really shoddily done retcon of the yeah. series and the fact that mephisto is like i want something from you more valuable than a, than your soul because people who sell their souls for loved ones are like harder to torture in hell because yeah. they have this righteous indignation yeah. of like which yeah, yeah but i saved my family member so fuck you which i kind of get i guess like, like if you're doing it i suppose it's 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 harder to come to resent yourself for a choice that you made in nobility 
as opposed to like I sold my soul so that I could play video games in the living room and not in the basement, <laughs> yeah. right? Like at the end of it, you'd be like, was that three hours playing <laughs> in, Silent Hill 2 naked really worth it? In hindsight, not a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> like was shiny hunting in my pants really worth what I'm now getting for it? Probably could have done that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's like, are you sure that's all you want? Because so, normally, like, I feel bad for you. Like, you, you could get a little more out of this. What, you just want a book about plants, <laughs> you fucking weirdo? I'll give you one about animals. And the guy's like, I, I, I guess. All right, fine. You've twisted me arm. But yeah, the fact that it's really contrived. It's like, actually, I want your 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 couple's love for whatever. Yeah. And specifically, it was like, and your marriage. And that was the point where I was like, this is the most blatant, like, we are retconning out the marriage of these yeah. characters. Like, also, I need your marriage. It's not enough that they could have literally lost the love for each other yeah. and been like, well, we're married, but we don't love each other. So I guess we should get divorced now. I think that would have been like a more subtle, like... Trapping him in a loveless marriage would have been much worse than being like, and by the way, you've got to divorce her now. Exactly. But you could tell how just over the top it, the writers were just like, we need Peter Parker to be free and single bachelor Spider-Man. Because <laughs> that's what the readers want. We want a Spider-Man who's just laying cable all over town. Like you know? John Lennon in the early 60s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need a real Casanova of a Spider-Man because there's like two other love interests. Well, he's got a few. He, he gets around a bit. He's not the biggest root rat in, uh, in the Marvel universe. Gwen Stacy. Yeah, she was like high school girlfriend. Like that time period. And for those wondering, the biggest Rue Rat in, uh, in the Marvel Universe is Daredevil. Daredevil gets around. Like, really? Yeah. There's a joke in the um, Netflix show, which is great, where it's like, Foggy Nelson, his best friend, is like, how is it that you always attract beautiful women or like, like get with beautiful women? And Matt Murdock, still hiding his identity, is like, how would I know they're attractive? And Foggy's like, that's the scary part. Like, yeah, no, I was about to say, they're all hot if you're blind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's the scary part. You know somehow. Like. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. Because as you were setting that joke up, I was like, I know where the punchline mm. is. I know where the punchline is. And it's a fucking blind joke. Yeah, but it's Daredevil. Like, that's... <laughs> I suppose he gets to make them, doesn't he? Yeah. But I mean, Foggy Nelson's like best friends with them all through like law school and stuff. So they've got that relationship. But by yeah. the way, Foggy Nelson. Yeah, it's his name. I don't know. I think Foggy's like a nickname or something. Like I think if his full name is something different. But yeah, it's, he's referred to as Foggy. Nelson and Murdoch, lawyer, attorneys at law or whatever. The Netflix show is amazing. Anyone who hasn't watched it, it's one of the best superhero TV shows ever made. Like ridiculously i've not watched it it's fantastic i think even you would like it yeah yeah dark gritty but not like pretentiously if that makes sense i mean in fairness i think at this point i've consumed more superhero content than the average person oh for sure yeah but there's still a few films and tv shows you could watch that'll be when we do the paywall content it's like we're doing daredevil the netflix show now i'm a terrible reviewer of tv <laughs> i don't have the skill set required for that shit fair enough i appreciate your honesty at the very least now, back to Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, we're in the weeds now. So again, Mephisto is doing this really contrived, like, I need this specifically. Yeah. And I think at one point, like, there was one point where I was scared how dumb Peter Parker <laughs> was going to be in this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's a part where basically Mephisto has presented this option. And also he's at one point, he's like, yeah, because you have like the rarest love at all, the most unconditional love that was like confirmed by 
the glory of the he who I hate the most, God, basically. Yeah. It's like, is it that rare that there's happy married couples? <laughs> and not just happy, New like, York. unconditional. And also, it depends what where you look at it in terms of the, the word unconditional. Because unconditional yeah. love gets thrown around a lot, right? Is it that unconditional when the condition that they're removing love now is, well, I get Aunt May back. Yes. So was it unconditional love? Because that kind of goes... I think Mephisto's just talking out of his ass at this point. Well, it's just bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he th- he's, like, he's literally just being like, I'm an asshole, but I'm trying to justify why it's so good for me. And, and again, Aunt May's an old woman. I imagine if Aunt May heard him like... Being like, oh, oh she would have told him no. You're uh, taking a shit on your marriage for me. Hmm. She's like, I'm 76, mate. I do at least appreciate that they are. I could break a hip yeah. any day. And they <laughs> they do at least address that. Yeah. Like, I will credit the comic a little bit in that way because at least, like, uh, Mary Jane, if she says, like, she is getting on. Like, and this is what I was saying. I was so scared because at one point, May was like, uh, MJ was like, don't hate me for what I'm about to say. You know, she is getting on a bit. Is is this something you really want to do? Or, yeah. you know, like, would it kind of more naturally closer to her time anyway? And I was relieved when Peter Parker was like, I have been thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was so scared he was going to be like, how dare you? <laughs> She's my aunt. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to be like a real asshole about it. Yeah. I was, I was genuinely relieved when he was like, yeah, I've been thinking, I know I've been thinking the same. And I do at least appreciate that his whole thing is it, he's, he feels so responsible for her being in the position that he feels the need to fix it. And and that's addressed with Doctor Strange as well, where Doctor Strange he says It's a running oh, you know, theme throughout. If all. she if she died if she died she died peacefully in her sleep and Doctor Strange said, Well, would that be any less painful? And he's like, No, but it wouldn't be my fault. Yes. And again, I suppose this highlights something that I don't really think of with Spider Man. I think of Peter Parker as actually being quite a selfless bloke. Mm. And really He's not trying to prolong Aunt May's life to prolong her life. He's doing it to assuage his own guilt. Yes. He's doing it so that he doesn't have to sit with his fucking feelings. Yeah. Which is like such a fundamental part of being a grown up. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a thing happened. There there are consequences, perceived consequences, because somebody else shot Aunt May. Mm. You didn't shoot Aunt May. Like, yeah, I'm aware that it's a series of events that was kind of set in motion by your actions but it's not your fault my g yeah and you you really you're not doing this to prolong her life at no point does he really talk about aunt may and all this mm. he just says well i need to not feel guilty anymore yeah and it's like a couple months of therapy would mm. have solved this problem but then that's like the running thing of superheroes in general it's like they go through this trauma that makes them this unhealthily selfless person yeah to the point where it's like, maybe if you went to therapy, you wouldn't feel the need to dress up as a bat or whatever. <laughs> maybe you wouldn't feel the need to fight with weird criminals in the street. Exactly. So that's like a larger criticism, which I think this story could have done a good story. Yeah. Where the ending is Peter kind of reconciling that feeling. I think this is something really interesting that we've never touched on. And it is a deep seated part of what I don't like about superheroes. Hmm is that superheroes get all these powers and the thing that they use them for is to one degree or another fighting some form of crime. Yeah. Whether that be an existential threat from like aliens or it's supervillains that only really exist because they exist. There are so many more useful things that all of these deeply enhanced people could be doing with their time Mm. to actually benefit humanity. 
like they're there fighting crime and i'm like you realize that if you just use some of the power that you have to you know end like i don't know poverty <laughs> well there would be a lot less crime hmm. and if people weren't as disillusioned maybe there wouldn't be supervillains. I... maybe mr batman or mr stark you need to consider using your immense wealth to better the people around you as opposed to making yourself a better suit to fight these criminals who actually are just really disenfranchised. I think, and I totally, I agree with you that that is a, a, a kind of hole in the logic of superheroes. I think the reason why, I mean, when superheroes first started, everyone was pretty anti-crime. Like being a criminal was the yeah. worst thing. When they started in like the 40s, 50s, like yeah. the worst thing you could be as a criminal. It wasn't until like the 60s you had that kind of rebel without a cause, like they're on the wrong side of the tracks, but they're still a good person at heart, kind of, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But I think the large thing, modern day, and what would they, it's kind of stuck in now, is if you address those kind of issues, you start getting into some sketchy political areas where I think the, I don't want to go into like, the big corporations yes. that make this shit don't want us to be thinking about. I don't want to get too Joe Rogan about it. But. I, I, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> I think once you start addressing that kind of stuff, and I've had that thought of like, what if there was a superhero who was trying to stop all war? Well, as yeah. soon as you get into that, you get into the politics. Of people are like, well, no, but this war's good though, because that's on our side. And yeah. that's when you get into like, oh, that's why they can't do that stuff. It's like, you could just send Frozone in to deal with the... Mm. So there's there's... <laughs> like- just refreeze everything and be like freeze the ice caps yeah yeah like we've got another 30 years lads let's get to it do you know what i mean there's some good writings where they stick superman in a fucking reactor and just give everyone in new york free power there's some good writings where they do address stuff like that like the common criticism is batman obviously batman that he like oh he's beating up criminals but he's just beating up the poor who are who are stealing the the misconception there is like someone stealing a loaf of bread to feed their family and Batman fucking paralyzes them (laughs) or something. Um, But in good writings, like you have to adapt to this modern age. Bruce Wayne is using his money to try and better the city in every other way as well. He's like funding orphanages so that they're like looked after and don't have to fall through the cracks of society and things like that. So he is trying to fight it on both ways. Like that's a, that's when the character's written well, because they have that realization. Like, he starts off being like, I'm going to kill... You know, he's not going to kill, obviously. He's, I'm going to f- stop anyone from getting mugged. Like, that's his one thing. Yeah. And then he, he learns over his superhero time that he's like, Ray. actually, I can use this money to do this stuff, but also the, the powerful supervillains still need to be taken down as well. Yeah. So there's ways like that. And there's also, like, the Justice League has a thing where I've seen before where they're like, we don't interfere in international, like instances because we we need to let them do their own thing because otherwise that's when we become like dictators of planet earth if only the american government can leave out of the justice league's books (laughs) (laughs) i think the point is they think of themselves as the justice league but they've missed the yeah they just didn't read that issue of the comic yeah (laughs) if only if only they've read the one issue then we'd have world peace so american presidents if you're listening who no 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 i'm not addressing them directly right who would be their favorite comic book hero? Not all of them. So let's go through some presidents. Okay. Bush Senior. Who uh, do you think Bush Senior would be reading? Given his half a would be like, um, try to think of like the 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 misinterpreted version of Batman, the one who <laughs> is literally just paralyzing people who's stealing food, like that kind of one. I think Bush Senior would be Iron Man. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he was big on the military industrial complex. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the sixties Iron Man, who's very yeah, 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 yeah very yeah. military. Like, driven, 60s yeah. Iron Man, golden suit, round helmet. Yeah, that dude. Bill Clinton would have been drunk Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, quite a famous philanderer. So just drunk Iron Man. Um, Trump. I mean, who's the dumbest superhero? <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun game. Do you know Lex um, Luthor yeah. became president in the comics? <laughs> and part of him becoming president was he actually uh, removed himself from all of his businesses. Oh, well. I so mean, Lex Luthor had a higher level of <laughs> integrity <ethics laughs> than Donald Trump. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> And one could argue Lex Luthor had better hair. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Obama? Uh, I feel like him being like a kind of champion of like like black culture and black race, I think he would have to be a black superhero, right? And Maybe, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I kind of think he'd like Cap. Oh, yeah. I think he'd, uh, he'd align himself, I think, with Captain America. Yeah. Maybe Sam Wilson, Captain America. And again, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing the... We don't want to stereotype. Yeah, I'm not doing the black president likes the black superhero but i think the sam wilson character does have a lot of i mean especially in the modern version he has a lot of like there were like i wouldn't have been captain america back when the original was like they address that so that are there any that from aspect. chicago are there any superheroes from chicago because maybe be into that I, wouldn't he? maybe but i don't remember why chicago not where he's from from hawaii no but that's not where he grew up and studied and i think it is no 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 he, he was he born was, in hawaii i know he was born in hawaii but he was he was like a he was like a organizer so he organized like protest movements and shit all right well if it's chicago fair enough i'm, I'm so sure i'm so sure he lived in chicago if we're wrong feel free to write in comicliterate gmail.com correct yeah, us correct, correct me i'm gmail.co.uk correct us on on the history of barack obama yeah correct me i mean i i, I did read his book yeah <laughs> so i should know this i'm gonna do one more i'm gonna give you one more president right but it's a little bit of a <laughs> left of field one Right. Eisenhower. Um, he would be... I'm trying to think of a superhero that's just like a walking non-stop... Like, he'd be like the juggernaut, almost. Of, <laughs> not a superhero, I understand. He has been good at some points. Yeah. But just like a non-stop. Like, once he gets moving, you can't do anything to stop him. Or some kind of nuclear power-based superhero. <laughs> one of those. And then I'm going to do Captain, one more for my... Captain Atom. Captain Atom. Yeah. And then the last one I'm going to do is one for myself, which is that LBJ would have fucking loved the Hulk. Yeah, I can see that. He would have been like... LBJ, LBJ, how many Wolver kids did you kill Wolverine today? a bit. Yeah, LB yeah, LBJ would have been well into Wolverine. This is going to make a great topic that I can put in the episode description. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a fun moment. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, had, I had fun. Maybe it'll be a short. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Um, Back to the comic. Well, we're kind of at the I end of it. it. <laughs> I got it in. <laughs> we're almost at the end. I mean, the only part I was only going to touch on after this is post deal making Ugh, so we're yeah, it's all just with the blatant retcon and now it's like now everything's different again like yeah. here's here's how things are and they try and make it like a bittersweet romantic part of the end yeah like la la land or something yeah. and it, it just comes off as like literally i think all readers at this point were like why did you do this you dicks like yeah. that was basically the point right now but they're trying to be like a Oh, but there's a little bit where they still love it. Also, the deal Mephisto being like, also, you're going to forget you ever in love. I'm like, what the fuck is the point? It's like, there's a little bit of you that's going to remember, and that's the bit I'm going to, like, Jesus he's Christ. Gonna, the good thing is, if he forgot that he was ever in love with her, 
going to turn up at the hospital and be like, why is this bitch that I went to school with at my aunt's bedside? He suddenly becomes very misogynistic as well. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> it's the, the love of one woman has gone. It's like, now I'm an, in, now I'm an incel. <laughs> I don't know why I use that terminology. <laughs> to be fair, the comic was literally like, if Peter Parker hadn't got with MJ, he would have become yeah. a, a gamer neckbeard incel. Uh, that's so. why I did that, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Good, good callback, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I think what's interesting is like, Again, the controversy with it and everything. I looked into this, right? And I kind of... <laughs> oh, no, you did research. I did a little bit of research. Oh, God. Right? So the, I mentioned up top that I wasn't getting into who made this, because yeah. this is for now. So the actual comic itself, this arc, was written by a guy, Michael Straczynski, and art by a Joe Casada. Have either of them done anything that I like? I don't think so. They were more like, you know, at this time, the late noughties or whatever. Yeah. So Joe Casada was actually the editor-in-chief of Marvel. So he was How? like a big one and he was doing the art. Yeah. So what's interesting is, and there's there's some other people who did some of the other coloring and yeah, art and some of the other ones, but these are the kind of the main two, right? Yeah. The reason this is interesting is I was full on going to be like these guys. Like, uh, so Michael Straczynski is, is credited as the writer and Joe Casada is credited as the art, right? For the first couple issues so i was all ready to be like this straczynski guy man he really like fucked this whole thing up turns out straczynski did not like where he had to go with this comic right oh that's so interesting so he was happy with the writing up until the mephisto bit which again like i mean as is criticisms but you know big drop off right in the but in that middle section there was some stuff to be commended wasn't there? exactly and in that's... that middle section there was some stuff that and I suppose this is the thing. I think had it not gone to where it went, there were threads there that, if well resolved, could have been interesting. Exactly. Or even leaving them unresolved could have been fast, like interesting to watch in itself. Yeah. Ski, so much so, was not on board with this. He w- actually tried to get his name removed wow. from the credits. But that doesn't happen often, m- does it? Exactly. I've, this, we're getting bloody Alan Moore territory yeah, here. Yeah, fucking hell. So I think it's is like this the, the last. first Moore mention of the. Yeah, I was going to mention him earlier, and I literally forgot to. We were talking about opening lines. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he has one of the best opening lines of a We've talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if we talked on the podcast or not on the podcast, but just for whatever reason, he has a story. It's about the Big Bang, like the beginning of the universe. And the first line is, it was the best of times. It was the first of times. Which is so good. Which is a great line. But um, yeah, so Straczynski tried to get himself removed as the writing credit, and the compromise that was made was, and this is a bit telling of where the real decisions were being made. The compromise was that they put Joe Casada as the co-writer of the last couple issues. So I think editor-in-chief, and also this is confirmed because he was they were interviewed about this after it came out. Casada was the one who was like, we need to make Peter Parker a bachelor again. We need to get him out of this marriage. We also need to bring Harry Osborne back because he, he comes back. Yeah. He was dead before this. We need to bring oh, him. Was he? Yeah, exactly. He we'd we'd bring him back because he was. He says like because he was the best part of some of the previous comics, and I think everyone was like, was he? Like he wasn't a bad character, but I don't think he was that. But I suppose he'd been kicking about for a while, hadn't he? Yeah, he's a long term character. And like fair enough, bringing him back. I don't think that was enough reason to like 
ruin the marriage. Yeah, the, all the growth that had mm. been achieved over all these years with Spidey. But this this actually harkens back to like why modern Spider-Man comics are not as well received as they used to be. Yeah. There's been good parts, obviously. There's good been good points. But they're just constantly like ruining Peter Parker's life. Yeah. But not just ruining his life where it's like, how does he get past this? Mm-hmm. It's ruining his life where, where he or just gets set back to this bachelor lifestyle again like it's yeah, always they're, that they're trying to they're trying to get this like consistent state of arrested mm. development for him and it's always breaking up his relationships at one point he was a billionaire and yeah. then they made him lose all his money again it's really fun that in the um animated miles morales films that the peter parker we see is an older downtrodden peter parker mm. no longer with his wife just him and his daughter he's struggling to get by parker industries isn't doing so well like it's interesting I, that I, he didn't have park industries in that oh did he not no no he was just poor but yeah but it's interesting that they kind of play with yeah. that idea there to really great effect but and what's what was good about that was that was a slow realistic breakdown yeah. of a of a marriage like that and that's the they constantly trying to shortcut this they're like we need to break them up now and for him to not be sad about it but you know what if i got like a full like 12 to 15 issue run of an older Spider-Man with children trying to balance the stresses and strains of a family life alongside managing Parker Industries and continuing to be Spider-Man as he's getting older. Mm. And we watch his marriage break down and it's like that film with um Adam Driver in it. Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Yeah. Imagine Marriage Story set to a high-flying CEO Peter Parker who's also still trying to be Spidey maybe even trying to fill um, Tony Stark's shoes in a mm. universe that doesn't have Stark Industries anymore. Yeah. And here's a marriage eroding there. That would be some fascinating shit. Exactly. But again, the whole thing, the whole blatant retconning with Mephisto, it's like, you're going to break up, you're never going to be married, yeah. and you're going to forget about it. It's like just shortcutting in the most dumb way to get him to this point where Did they Did we want just him. come up with the storyline that's going to save Spider-Man? I think it's going to take a lot more. I think it just takes some good writing. Like, just write things oh, as they We happen. just came up with a killer comic book, Ryan. <laughs> uh, again, Marvel. Marvel, if you listen. <laughs> £25 a week. Get us on board. Give me a half-decent artist. I know a few. Hmm. And we'll just get down to it, right? We'll just get right about it. So one of the interesting quotes that I was kind of haphazarding earlier, yeah. but I've got here, is um, Caseda literally was talking about some of the ideas they were trying to bring in to get Parker back to this place where they wanted him one yeah. of them was bringing back gwen stacy who had died 30 years earlier and apparently they he was going to resurrect her which they've kind of done in ways since then in other ways but apparently the creative team elected to resurrect another character harry osborne as we've seen uh Seda explained his decision by claiming the amazing spider-man was so much more fun with harry in it it's like was it though like i don't think he was the make or break of whether spider-man was good or not yeah and yeah i said straczynski uh claimed that he had asked caseda to have his name taken off the final two issues of one more day ultimately straczynski was still credited but significantly caseda was listed as co-writer for the final issue um and that was disagreement on how to explain the parker separation so straczynski was like we can't do this this sucks <laughs> and this is this is a a modern problem that's continued yeah is writers as we can tell trying to do these good stories and the editor or the you know publisher being like we need you to do these story beats as well yeah. and the writer's just being like jesus this ruins everything like this or this it makes it really difficult to 
do the good story that I wanted to do. Yeah. And the other thing that I found interesting was, I didn't know this, the marriage that got broken up here in 2007, yeah. they got married canonically in 1980, well, not canonically, but they got married in 1987. Like, So publishing. they'd been married for the lifetime of years. a lot of comic book fans. Yeah. And then they were just like, actually, Mephisto's just made you forget about now. So it's done. It's so crazy. And I was reading and the what, timeline. And, and, and I know they, they sort of say, oh, you know, the Spider-Man comics were better with Harry Osborn in them. But what One is... person said that. Yeah, yeah, But what is Spider-Man without MJ? Well, as we saw, she... not as good. She makes him. Yeah, she is like the biggest part of his personal life. And they keep coming back because that's what people want. But then they keep breaking him up again. And the reason I think doing this comic now is so interesting, for anyone who's listening, who, who is reading it, the current Spider-Man comic that's out now, which is a continuation from the one we did. So it's like the later issues of Isn't that. Isn't MJ married to somebody else at this point? Yes. Yeah. To Paul, who is like a hated character because he's the reason they're not together. What they're doing now, they're basically turned Spider-Man evil. So what's happening right now, spoilers for the Spider-Man comic that's happening now, he got in a contrived superhero shenanigans where he got given the sins of Norman Osborn. So Norman Osborn had been redeemed earlier. And was like trying to become good again or prove yeah. that he had, he had been rehabilitated. But then the same way that he, his evil got removed, it's been put into Spider-Man. And you, that can be interesting in itself. But basically, Spider-Man's gone. I fucking hate everyone now. And like he's like kicking off at Mary Jane, who also has powers somehow. I can't be able to get into her. But he's like they're having a superhero fight. So is this death of Aunt May canonical? No, she didn't die in this. Well, I know, but like... Is is this like sorry? Is what happened here canonical? Like yes, him... it continued. Yeah. Does Aunt May die at some point? She might have at some point. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think. No, she hasn't in the current one. At so, least, uh, not that I know. Of. Yeah, I mean, it just ugh, it doesn't make any sense, Ryan. No, of course not. It's bad. But I, I thought the interesting behind the scenes. No, was I like think it's very fascinating. Telling. And and I, th- I I think this is one of those little corners of the artistic world where this kind of thing is so likely to happen because even relative to like book publishing the margins are quite tight and the budgets are quite high Mm. like in book publishing there is just one person who you throw 100 grand at to finish their book off and then that's what you've sunk into it yeah to make this more money than that would have been spent yes exactly inevitably and so it's kind of this medium is really vulnerable to that Mm. If you think about it, and I, and I agree with you, there's so much that we're reading right now, particularly when we get into the, the big two, yeah, where you just get this sense that this is what's happening behind the scenes when this stuff is being made, and ultimately it suffers for it. Mm. And the only reason that this came out at all is because of the backlash. Like, Oh, really? Well, I think like they were interviewed and people were like, why did you do that? And that's why they were giving these answers to that kind of question, I think. Well, oh, what, you mean the interview came out? Yeah, so people right. were, they were doing interviews just generally afterwards, normally yeah. to promote whatever was coming next. And the interviewers were like, hey, you did one more day, right? Uh, one question, why? <laughs> <laughs> and they were given their answers. But no, I think it's interesting because we, we, we keep having this conversation about comic books where we talk about the fact that we both get the sense that what we're reading is like a compromised product. Yes. I mean, mo- like the bigger titles, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and, and this is a really great example of something that had some good ideas. And again, talking with you about it, I'm now realizing that there were some bits that were quite impactful to me and there were some bits I actually quite enjoyed. Um, this is one of those scenarios where there's a good story in there if you could 
get the bullshit out. It's just buried, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's it's a shame, really, because it's like it's a medium that's infinitely popular. And something that you and I talk about off air a lot is the fact that comic books are a growing industry and more people are reading them all the time. Technically, non-superhero ones are, are the growing industry. Yeah, yeah. But, but but this, you know, the, the superhero comics exist within a growth industry. Yeah, they're still some of the biggest comics being sold. Yeah, and so people are reading them and people are consuming them and, and they're driving, you know, albeit 10 to 15 years later, the stories that are happening in comic books are driving what's happening in cinema a lot at the moment. And it's all just fucking compromise. Like, there's just mm. so much compromise and there's so much of it that either doesn't need to be there or is only there because somebody who is funding it is saying, I really want Peter Parker to get laid. Yeah. Um, Basically. It's just like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know why I uh, just realised? What's that? It's something pretty horrific. Uh, and I think you're going to be pretty distraught when I remind you of this. Yeah. The reason that I chose this comic was, no, it's the worst. It's considered widely one of the worst comics. And I was going to recontextualize, say, one of the scariest comics because it's still spooky we season. hadn't done spooky se- we hadn't acknowledged it's spooky season number four it's spooky season four baby yeah so should i do one now and i'll put it at the top oh of yeah 100 like- but leave this bit in yeah, so that everyone yeah. knows what's going yeah, on yeah, yeah go on go for so, it welcome to spooky season number four. <laughs> oh, that was great that was great i love it darpa I'll, I'll cut that into the front so if anyone's wondering at that point like Wow, they really chopped in that spooky season. Now you know. Now you know. <laughs> and the reason I was remembered that was because I was going to finish this episode with just a little bit of, basically, I did the thing last week where I found this story and I went, oh, I'll bring this story to the podcast because it's interesting and relevant. Yeah. And then I went, oh, shit, I haven't read it. <laughs> so I brought it to the thing and then on air was like, I don't know what it says. And can't just read a story on air, like out loud. So I had to read through it. Yeah. So the story what is this. So the story was it was an article um, Is it about Alan Moore? No. And I'm not interested. You will be. It's about um You're gonna have to do really well here. So the <laughs> The title of the story was uh When Hundreds of Vampire Hunting Vampire hunting children invaded a Scottish cemetery and helped spur a comic book ban. Do you know what the funny thing is? Mm. You did talk about it, having no, not read it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why now I'm talking about it with uh, the context. See, now so. we can actually talk about yes. it in detail. Cool. So what happened was, and I explained this before, basically like a like hundred kids or so, like roughly give or take, <laughs> broke into the cemetery to hunt vampires because cool. right. they thought there was one in the area. Wholesome Scottish fun. Yep. They climbed over a fence, but also somehow took dogs with them. So they must have like <laughs> chucked the dogs over the fence oh, or something. God, animal cruelty. I, well, the dogs were fine. Uh, uh, they were hunting the vampires afterwards. So, <laughs> are dogs famously good vampire hunters? I, I don't. I mean, it couldn't hurt. Like, you had the option. Balls... Vampires don't have a strong smell though, and I feel like that's a dog's main ability. In Do hunting. we know that for sure though? Like, that oh, might be hearsay. I feel like it's a thing in Dracula. May- uh, maybe, but you know. I've not read Dracula in a long time. <laughs> well. So, and apparently there was a gate around the corner as well. So people were like, why did they climb over the fence? They could have gone through the gate. And I was like, I think the ones with the dogs probably went through the gate. They probably just closed it behind them. But yeah, so uh, the police went around because, you know, bunch of kids, they thought it was vandals, which wasn't uncommon in this cemetery part, but found all these kids with makeshift weapons, the tomahawks and everything. (laughs) Makeshift tomahawks. Yeah. 
Um, and apparently some of the locals described it, and this was like a very, it's a very British thing, even for Scotland. Um, but the reason the police were reported was because people nearby said the excited shouts and screams grew so loud that normal conversation was impossible. And that's, <laughs> that just gives like, that's the modern version. Like, I can't even hear myself think with all this, this children's laughter going on. Like, police, shut them up. So this was uh, in the news. And basically what happened was because it was in the news, there was a a mainstream media reaction of it's the comic books that are the problem. Oh, God. This is probably one of the earliest instances of kids are messing around, screwing around. It's all the violent comics they're reading. So when did this happen? This happened in 1954. Wow. I thought this was recent. No. 1954. Yes. So. Oh, my God. And this is why they blamed comics, because that was the thing that kids were doing at the time yeah, that yeah. was like kind of violent. So this happened just after America brought in their Comics Code Authority thing because right. from, from, from probably one of their earliest, yeah. it's X or Y that's influencing the kids. So the, England was like, we should probably bring in the same. Now, just to be clear, there was zero connection between comic books and what these kids did. Of course. Like, none of the kids were like, we read a vampire comic and we came to hunt <laughs> vampires. So... They, They'd actually been doing Dracula in their GCSEs or yeah. their O-levels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pro- Bram, Bram Stoker. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. But so they attempted to bring in this comic book law. The problem was the first law that was brought in, it was discovered or revealed or whatever at some point that the group, so there was a group who were bringing in, who I can't best find the name of now, yeah. but there was a group who had like, a, you know, save children from comics or some dumb name. Yeah. Turned out they were all communists. i don't know how much that actually mattered but at the time fucking brilliant at the time they were like well we can't bring in a law from communists or whatever yeah so we can't do that one so then a few years later another group with another dumb sounding name brought in a similar law and that one passed probably i mean probably tories let's just let's just say they were tories because it's funny the main person of that group was a a pediatrician so very much a i work with kids i these comics are rotting their brains whatever also massive communist (laughs) that that was discovered after the law came (laughs) the law went through and they're like haha it was a communist as well (laughs) i know it's all in the article but the, the funniest part is that law still exists today. It's just not enforced wow. at all. And the law is basically no violence or horror themes in, in children's comics. Obviously, completely unenforced. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. But it's still a law on the books. And one person who pointed out, summed up quite well, was Neil Gaiman, right. who talked about it in some context. And he said, it's interesting, there's still a law that, you know, bans these comic books. Like, his, some of his comic books yeah, were yeah. banned. And it's the only law in British law that was brought in successfully brought in by communists (laughs) so yeah that's that's basically it as a side note Mm. you know the penny dreadful thing yeah i'm currently reading stardust and there were four different mentions of penny dreadfuls in it and every time it made me chuckle because i heard you go penny dreadfuls and anything where the where the characters use bubbles to think or speak um and i just kept and i just kept being like how did i not clock for all like for a year that you were talking about pulpy novels, not I mean, comic books. Hopefully, years later, it'll be one of those like law things, like you know, back when they first started. <laughs> the intro used to say uh, "Pain Dreadfuls." God, I mean, you could like back when we first started is now something like we've been at this for a while. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on episode forty. I know we're getting there, aren't we? Yeah. 
Comic Letter turns 40 soon, guys. What should we do for it? 40 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so those people are like, how old your baby? It's like, oh, he's 12 months. No, 12 months. Like, just say a year. Just say a year. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's it. We've gone long. Um, thank you for listening. If you want to send us an email, comicliterate at gmail.com. You go very quiet for the intro. Is it comicliterate at gmail.com or comicliterate at gmail.co.uk? Because I've been saying .com for a year. <laughs> I'm fairly certain you haven't, and I, I've thought this. Um, yeah, it is .com, yes. Yeah, comicliterate at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, leave us a review, wherever, five stars, blah, 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 blah. Uh, um, fuck, I don't want Ryan to jump in. I don't want Ryan to jump in. I don't want Ryan to jump in. YouTube shorts. Watch some of those. They're on TikTok too. And yeah, just have a wonderful time. Enjoy the podcast. Spooky <laughs> season. Spoo- yeah, I mean, you did it. You did it. Have you, a you got happy... A- Wait a minute. When's this one coming out? What date? Uh, t- today is the 23rd of October. Which means that this isn't Halloween yet. So I'm not going to wish you a happy Halloween. Next have- week is the Halloween episode. But have a wonderful spooky season. Bye. Bye.